podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 150 years of Children's National Hospital. 150 years of groundbreaking research. Of exceptional healthcare for kids. Of helping families like mine and yours. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Ain't no place like a cowboy place. Ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way. Have a cowboy kind of day. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose in the way you're going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Okay, tonight's guest um, was a major uh, influence on me as a child, I have to say. Um, in 2000-2001, it was a year when Liverpool's first team was making history, um, but it was also the year when a young boy from Sheffield called Neil Mellor was scorching through the Liverpool uh, youth ranks and making a very big name for himself with the club and rival scouts alike. Tonight, I'll be speaking with Neil about what it was like to be a teen sensation within the ranks of LFC. Uh, we chat about those two goals in the space of 10 days in the 2004-2005 season, and how injury problems robbed him of his dream, but ultimately has led to the punditry career that he has excelled in these days. Thank you for coming home. Sorry that the tears are on. I left them here, I could have sworn. These are my celebrities, only being eaten away. Just another play for today. Oh, but I'm proud of you, but I'm proud of you. Nothing left to make me Thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, that wasn't just me uh, blowing smoke. I have to say, um, we're, we're, we're similar in age, and uh, I think after you know Michael Owen had had come through the ranks in the in the nineties, you were probably the next the, the next great hope. You know, all all the uh, all the talk was of of you smashing goals after goals in the youth ranks. And as a kid, I you know as a as a late teen, I was I was looking towards your career and getting whatever we could get off teletext and, and the internet at the time to see what was going on so uh, no listen really do appreciate it so change now obviously the, the, the coverage these days for the young boys it's uh, so much more than it was like you say back then it was uh, what 2000 so the coverage was yeah. was minimal back then so it, it was nice to be to be um, a, a potential player coming through by, by scoring all the goals um, and then getting an opportunity in the first team yeah absolutely so you were 16 is that right but you were 16 when you moved to Liverpool having yeah. been uh, you were released by Man City yeah that's right I was um, I was a young boy at Man City from the age of 10 to the right. age of 16 um, my dad had played for Man City previously in the, in the 70s and, yeah. uh, and that was his team and, and so obviously um, I was guided it was your team to, <laughs> to, to City and, uh, and that was where I had many years but again the academy football is so different now back then it was eight maybe ten players at the age group now it's, it's double triple that that sort of number so it was uh, it was very different back then and um, I must admit throughout my time at, at the club at Man City as a young boy top scorer every season I was thinking right I'm going to be progressing I, I want to fulfil my dream of being a professional footballer but it wasn't to be they did release me and it was it was a tough time for me it was upsetting it was a surprise because I thought that was sort of my football dream over. I'm not good enough to be a football player because City were in level three at the time. Um, and, and so to be rejected then was tough. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, as, as a, a, a kid at 16, my, my own cousin was in the same situation at West Brom, came the whole way up from seven or eight years of age, got right through the YTS scheme even, mm-hmm. and Gary Megson came in then and uh, just cleaned house. You know, there was a, a, a raft of really good young lads playing there, and he mm-hmm. just came in, I think, kept two of them around, you know. And, and I was going to ask you, you know, I, you, I'm assuming given your dad was a big City fan, you grew, you were told you were one and grew up as one, did you? Yeah, well, what were they were the team that that I followed but it wasn't you know like like City are these days you know they were a struggling side and like I say when I was at the club we were in the third, third tier of English football it was very different to, to the way they are now and yeah you know my school days I was brought up following City but from the moment the rejection happened it was um, things completely changed in, in my life on football as well yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I was going to ask you. You know, when when you join, you know, how, how, first of all, how did it come about? Was it a case whereby you were heavily scouted as a as a young lad? You're scoring all these goals, as you say, your top goal scorer for City's youth teams every year. Is it a case whereby you you get let go and immediately you're picked up by Liverpool, or you have a choice of clubs? Well, well what happened was I, was I was at a decent school and I was playing for the college team. So the school I was at, I was in the fifth year of, of school, and but I was playing for the college teams. So I was playing with lads a lot older. Lot stronger, and uh, and it helped me. And I, I think I played for England schoolboys. I played against Bolton or someone like that, and I would beat them about six-one. I scored five goals, and as you can imagine, in that sort of a game, there was a lot of scouts there. One of them was a Liverpool scout, and he said, uh, do, "Do you want to come on, on trial?" And I was like, "Absolutely, yeah," because you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I still had a lot of belief in myself, thinking that you know I was good enough to to play. Uh, first game, scored the winner against United. Next game, hat trick against Newcastle. Next game, brace against Leeds and now it just kind of started really well it was it was a good fit for me and to the point where Stevie Highway called me in his office and said you know you're raw uh, but I, I like what I see and we'd love to give you um, a scholarship it's not a YTS back then it was a scholarship uh, where you do a little bit of schooling and, and you learn sort of the Liverpool way and it was like wow this is this is amazing you're willing to to, to give me an opportunity to fulfil my dream yeah, and is, does that does that uh, soften some of the hardship of of your boyhood club letting you go? You know, going to a club like Liverpool because it's it's quite a step up in the sense that you're saying City are in the second division. Well, they're not. They're in the they're in well, they are. They're in the second division at that stage, aren't yeah. they? Um, and uh, then you get picked up by Liverpool, who okay, you know, they're they're not at the pinnacle. They're not quite challenging United just at that point. Um, but they're a huge club. Does mm-hmm. that soften the blow of 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 what's happened to you? Well, my focus was was then obviously fully committing to Liverpool and uh, and wanting to to make it as a professional football player. It was interesting because after I got that offer, there was one or two other clubs that were sniffing about and throwing offers about, but. Um, Liverpool were the team who who said we want to give you a chance, and from that moment onwards, that was when I was fully committed. And um, and as I say, things completely changed. What was in the past was in the past. There's no point in dwelling on it. It was now time to focus and be ready for for the challenge at Liverpool. Get your head straight and get mm-hmm. onto it. You, you you came in and and unfortunately what what turns out to be a bit of a recurring um, issue for you, you you struggled with injuries in the first season is that right with Liverpool and then really kicked on from there am I correct in saying that yeah yeah I was um, I signed at uh, 16 at Liverpool and the thing was for me throughout my school and I was I was, I was a, a half decent tennis player I wasn't great but I played to a decent enough standard and I enjoyed it and I think I um, I got a bad injury in my back it was a stress fracture in my back close to being a double stress fracture and I think it was the result of playing so much tennis and um, that was frustrating because I just signed um, a, a two year potential three year contract at Liverpool wanting to impress wanting to show people what I'm all about and next minute I'm out for seven months I can't run all I can do is cycle around Kirby go on bike rides it was uh, it was it was tough because I, I want to show people that I can score goals I can play I'm good enough to be at Liverpool but I wasn't I was injured I was almost a forgotten man should have got yourself a paper round if all you could do was so like, you, know, you could have made a few bob while you were at it. Yeah. Um, and then next season, then I assume you know you're six, seven months out. Did you get back in time for the end of that season, or was it really from pre-season the following year where where it really started to take off for you? 
I, I missed the complete season. It may have been the October time when I was out and I missed the complete season. Um, but then the big difference for me was the FA Youth Cup. You know, the, the importance of that for me to um, to really get noticed. It gave me huge confidence. Um, I'm playing at Anfield. I'm, I'm playing in front of the first team staff. Um, and, and that was a, a competition really which got me noticed and, and really helped me develop. Is that the one where we ran to the semi-final? That was the one, and I missed a penalty in the semi-final. Thanks for uh, for that memory. But but I scored. <laughs> I wasn't actually going to bring that up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Great save. Keeper went down. It was a good save. But um, but the thing was, it was I was I was scoring goals. I think I got a hat trick in one of the rounds at Anfield. Went down to Stamford Bridge. We battered them seven-one. It was there was some there was some good times, and and that was when sort of the belief started to grow. The confidence was there. Yeah, I can succeed here. I was fully fit. I was fine. No problems with the back injury and uh, I was really enjoying my time yeah and, and that's that's when you really started to kick on with the goals as yeah, well it was yeah. it was a goal a game really for the reserves wasn't mm, it and a, mm, a little bit over that for the under 19s is is that when you did you start to feel at that stage it's only a matter of time before I get my chance for the first team or how were things because you've been I've seen you've been critical of, of Jared Houllier and, and Rafa Benitez too um, due to how they managed the youth squads was it always going to be tough for you to get some game time or did you really feel you know what I'm proving it week in week out at the other levels I deserve my chance yeah I wouldn't say I was critical of them personally but what I would say is the relationship between Melwood at the time and the academy was was certainly strained it wasn't a good relationship at all uh, Julier came in and it was a real start of the influx of continentals coming over to to the Premier League and, and Liverpool at the time um, there was a number of young players that were brought in in my position ahead of me and it was difficult, you know, it's frustrating because there's me scoring loads of goals in the youth team, in the reserves, but I know that it's being blocked the pathway because there's, there's other young lads being brought in, the likes of Daniel Scholl and um, a Finnish lad who we brought in from West Ham for a million quid, never got near the first team. You know, he brings in Pongol and Natalak, Hule uh, at the time. And, and the confidence for me was, was really dented, but my desire was always there because I wanted to, to progress and keep improving. The under-19 season scored a lot of goals, the reserves, and thinking right I'm getting noticed here. I'm playing with senior players like Gary McAllister like uh, Babble and, uh, and players like that in the reserves and, and it was really helpful um, but it was just getting that opportunity which is what you need as a young player yeah, no, absolutely. And like, what do you think? Because obviously it has changed now, and, and thankfully it has. But what do you think were the biggest flaws when it came to giving young players a chance back then? You know, obviously you said there's a breakdown between Melwood and and uh, the academy, and and you know, I've also heard you saying in the past that you felt there was some really good young local lads there who who never really got a chance. Who would you say? are the ones that you've, you felt apart from yourself obviously deserved a chance alongside you you know ones that maybe you look back now and say Jesus how did he not make it because I've seen Stephen Jarrett say that about a couple of lads as well you know who were the ones for you well, well in my sort of time there was Stevie Warnock left fullback capable of playing central midfield as well very talented boy um, highly thought of but again I thought he suffered a little bit with that link with the academy and, and Melwood John Welsh another one local boy real aggressive midfield field player who was very talented didn't quite get the opportunity seen a lot of players in his position coming in um, and John Ottsemmerbor as well so, so they were the sort of the standout players of, of my sort of time where we were hovering as fringe players in and around the first team training with them week in week out well day in day out and um, just waiting to get that opportunity but it's um, in, in football it's, it's a ruthless industry you have to be ready for that opportunity you may need a little bit of luck perhaps a senior player in your position um, is injured or something like that to get that opportunity and, and you need faith with the manager to, to throw you in yeah absolutely and and I suppose it's one of those things you, you got the chance then the following season I think it was to go to West Ham uh, and get some first team football and yeah. football throws up some, some horrible things you, Glenn Roder brings you to the to the club you know mm-hmm. probably has a chat with you before you come and says I really like you and, and I, and I want to get you involved and get your first team football and, and a few weeks later he's gone you yeah. know which yeah. is often the case was it a case where they played a different style of football to you or to what you 
you were used to or was it just that the new manager coming in just wasn't wasn't of the same opinion why, why do you think things didn't work maybe as you would have hoped they would there well it, it, it didn't did it? you know I'm a centre forward I didn't contribute the way I wanted to two goals in 20 odd games not good enough um, it was interesting the move to West Ham because I played in a pre-season game for Liverpool at Aberdeen and I scored a couple of goals and, and did okay and I thought right I've got a chance of maybe being involved as a squad member for the season but who they pulled me and said uh do you want to go to West Ham or Sunderland on loan? And it was a bit of a shock to me. I wasn't, wasn't really expecting that. Um, and I decided to go to West Ham with Glenn Rhoda because he said he wanted to develop me. So it wasn't a case of me going in there and saying, you're playing week in, week out. We're going to help you develop you and you will get first team games. And obviously West Ham, a huge, huge football club, having just been relegated from the Premier League, I thought, you know, this is an opportunity perhaps for me to uh, to grow up and, uh, and learn a little bit because we, we had some big players in that West Ham dressing room. Dave David James, England number one at the time. We had uh, Repka, the fullback, the Czech boy. Lomas was there. Christian Daly, Rob Lee, Hutchinson, Carrick, uh, Brian Dean, Defoe, Zamora. It was, it was a lot of established players, and I thought, right, I can go there and, and, and learn with Glenn Roder and, and try and develop as a player. But within what two, three weeks, he's gone. He's, he's been sacked after we got beat. Uh, I think it was Rotherham one nil away, and uh, and it was a very uncertain time. And because I mentioned all those players, but the transfer window wasn't how it was now so the speculation was always oh he's going to be going he's going to be going and it was quite uncertain to, to know who was going to be sticking about at that time yeah not, not not a nice place to be after relegation when you're looking at the big name players and thinking they're not going to stick around probably you know or, or somebody's going to come sniffing and, and nab them um, and, and you, you came back is that right you came back to uh, Liverpool before the season was out but, but yeah, you couldn't yeah. play because of the regulations yeah the regulations I don't know what the ruling was but um, Alan Pardew came in at West Ham and, and he wanted his own players and I totally understand that and he said it, you know I wasn't going to get games and it may benefit me to go back to Liverpool and train there and I agreed and decided to cut my loan short went back to Liverpool couldn't play um, took me a while to play reserves I think but I played four games in the reses at the end of the season got 10 goals and all of a sudden thinking right you know I've learned from that experience at West Ham didn't score as many as I wanted to perhaps not as many games as I wanted to play but I've certainly learned from that sort of experience being around such senior players huge football club like West Ham with big expectation and uh, I felt as though whilst I wasn't that successful on the pitch it did help me as a player yeah so so Rafa joins the, that summer we we Jared Houllier has shown the door Rafa comes in you know he's he's well respected on the continent because of the way his Valencia side played you're fully fit that summer. Are you, yeah, are you fully yeah. fit. No, no issue. I'm not sorry. I don't mean that to sound like <laughs> no, a dick. No, it was. It was nice. It was. I was fit. I was. I was fine. The first week, uh, trying to make an impression with Rafa. And I think it was about eight days into uh, to him taking over, and I broke down with my knees. It was like it was something completely new and. I, I didn't know what it was. It, was, it turned out it was tendonitis, and and that was sort of the start of my uh, my knee trouble. So it wasn't ideal timing because new gaffer comes in. I wanted to impress, and again struck down by uh, injury. Yeah, and 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 so, but but you still you you come back from that, and I think it was issues with Barros and Cisse at the time created that gap for you around November time. And well, you've come in. You've probably played a couple of games before that, haven't you? You've 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 had a little bit of involvement up to that up to that mm-hmm. point, and then. Well, the truth is, Stephen, I, I was actually having injections, tablets to get through those games, but that was my my only opportunity to play. So it wasn't a case of saying, right, I'm fully fit and raring to go. I wasn't. I was. I was. Yeah, I was struggling. I was. I was struggling to get in and out of my car, up and down the stairs. But um, to get an opportunity to play, um, I needed to have injections to get through those games. But it would need muscus. The other lads had, had more serious injuries at the time than me. Yeah, and, and and as a young lad, you're thinking this might be my only chance. So yeah. so yeah. what do I do? Do I say? Do I cry off? Or do? <laughs> sorry, I don't mean cry off, but you you know what I mean. Do you, do you say, listen, I'm not right? Or as a young lad, do you do you say, yeah, feck it, give me give me the injection, get me out yeah. on the pitch because I can take my chance, and it gives you a better chance that if if you need to come back from an injury again, at least he has faith in your ability to perform. 
you have that game then uh, well it's the I'm trying to remember now I think it's the Arsenal game first and then Olympiacos am I right in saying that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so I want to know good you know, times good times yeah absolutely <laughs> Jesus Christ what, what, what a what a, uh, what a set of games to be involved in in 10 days and what an integral uh, impact you had in both of them what I want to know truthfully mm-hmm. all these years on what's going on in your head as that ball bounces in front of you and you are, are you thinking just smack it and hope for the best or are you looking at the keeper and thinking I have a pop here <clears throat> against Arsenal Stephen here's what happened we, we got a free kick down by a dead ball line Kaiser went down wins a free kick as a striker I'm always thinking before the final whistle I know I always think I'm going to score until he blows his full time whistle I'll always think I'm going to score anyway we get the uh, the free kick I say to Sol Campbell who's marking me at the time I said Sol can I have your shirt at the end of the game now I never asked for anyone's shirt I don't know why I asked for it because he wasn't like a big idol and uh, you know I don't know I didn't see him as the best centre half around but anyway I asked for it and he was like yeah no problem the kick comes up uh, I challenge Fiera and we both miss it goes to Kuehl who misses it and it was just an instinct I thought right it's just sat up nicely probably if I'm being honest I didn't realise how far out I really was because I'm not really used to hitting it from that sort of distance but it was an instinct I thought right bang let's have a go and uh, and the rest was was a real nice moment Lehman perhaps saw it a little bit late perhaps I could say there was too much power on it but it was just uh, meant to be it was a real nice moment for me and last minute against and they were one of the best sides around at the time Arsenal and in front of the cop it was a it was a special moment for me much better than that does it but but funnily enough <laughs> 10 days later you're back there again um, Liverpool are playing Olympiacos have to beat them by two clear goals and we're, are we one all at the point where, where you get the one, shout one, yeah we're one nil down at half time Rivaldo scored at the cop end of, and, and then at half time I was a sub at the time and I was looking at Rafa saying right get me on Rafa I'm, I'm waiting for him to look at me in the change rooms and say you're coming on he didn't he looked at Pongol and said you're coming on so I was a little bit disappointed by that because he didn't bring me on at half time but I knew there would be a chance for me to get on the pitch because we needed to score goals and, and that was something that um, I'd always done so I, I thought right just keep warming up he'll look over eventually and are you doing that, are you doing that Sunday league thing where you're doing some like <laughs> stretches in front of him and you know doing a few little jumps get me in coach I'm ready to go do you know what I did every time I stretched I just didn't take my eyes off Rafa thinking right he's going he's gonna to look at me any minute he's going to look at me and bring me on and eventually he did and he's a cold he's, bastard though isn't he <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a tough man he's a tough man but <laughs> It was great to get the nod and, and then come on and you know Stevie's goal was just an incredible moment, wasn't it? One that um, as a player, it, the best atmosphere I ever experienced on the pitch. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, but let's let's not take away from the fact that Stevie's goal, as amazing as it is, number one is assisted by you, but number two is still worthless if you don't score that second goal. I thought you were going to say, what was Cara doing on the left wing, chipping the ball up to him? <laughs> well, you never know where he pops up at uh, at these integral moments. He seems to be in the weirdest of places when these goals happen. But yeah, you you scored you scored one, and then that little cushioned header for for Stevie to to smash, and it must have been amazing. Yeah, of course. I, I think the commentary helps it the fact that he says lovely cushion header and, and obviously Stevie being Stevie capable of, of great moments like that smashes it into the back of the net which was just an unbelievable goal but it's funny because when he scored I don't know why I've just stood still waiting to celebrate with him and he just burst past me brushed past me and uh, and legged it to, to the corner flag and I was about the sixth player on to, uh, to celebrate but that was a special moment to celebrate at Anfield in front of the carpet it was, it was a good moment that yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and then it happens again. The the it, it, sorry, I say it happens again, like I know for a fact. But is it a case whereby in January you have to have the surgery because of the fact that you've been taking? Because I didn't know, obviously, that you were taking the the pills and and getting the injections just to get you through. Pa- come- painkillers rather than pills. Sorry, yeah, sorry. When I say, say yeah, yeah, I don't mean amphetamines. I mean yeah, pain painkillers and and injections. Um, does it get to a head at, at Christmas time? January? January time where it's just it's it's not feasible to continue it, it gets too much and the game that did it was Watford at home in the uh, semi-final of the League Cup I started the game and couldn't even kick the ball 10 yards I was really struggling I was, uh, the thing is with, with the knee injury it's 
the pain's there, but it stops you jumping. It stops you changing direction, uh, that acceleration. So there was a huge impact on, on my performance. And I was struggling. And I remember Rafa saying to me, that's not good enough. You're coming off at half time. And I said, Rafa, I'm struggling, really struggling. But he made me play in a resi game the next day as if like I was not trying my hardest. It was like, I'm struggling. <laughs> the reason I can't perform for the first team is because my body can't, can't take it. And, uh, and so that was, that was the moment when I knew. Yeah, that that was the moment I knew it was uh, it was time to sort it out and uh, and get it sorted once and for all. Okay, okay, and obviously we we go through the group stages. You're you're a spectator at that stage because you're out of action for the rest of the season, um, and, and you know the season itself isn't an amazing season in the league, but we somehow get ourselves to the to the final of the of, of the of the Champions League final. The, I know as a Liverpool fan, the biggest experience of my life, you know, watching that game. What was it like to to did you go with the was it a case whereby you went with the club as part of the group or did you go separately as a you went with the group did you yes so so, uh, the Champions League final there's 18 that get changed for the game they're the squad they flew the day before and everyone else at the club flew the next day the day of the game Um, so we flew early morning from Liverpool airport over to Istanbul um, go to the, the team hotel, see the players before, wish them all the best, and and then we go to the stadium, and uh, it was just surreal because at half time, three 0 you're thinking we've, we've worked so hard to get it. It's been an unbelievable journey, and is this the way it's going to end? And obviously, the second half was just unbelievable. It was just an incredible experience to be inside the stadium because whilst. I wasn't playing. These were my mates. These are the lads I get changed with every day. These are the lads I, um, I talk to, having breakfast, having lunch. It's just, um, these were my mates performing one of the best ever European Cup finals. It was it was just absolutely brilliant. And the full-time whistle goes, all we could think of was we need to get on the pitch. We want to celebrate and, uh, and wish the boys well done for, for what they've achieved. So it was... It was a struggle to get on the pitch. We couldn't get on the pitch because obviously all Liverpool fans were trying to get on the pitch. A steward was like, no, no, you're not getting on. Morientes was part of our our group because he was cup-tied. I think he'd played for Real Madrid in, in an early round or something like that. And he said to the steward, um, you know, I'm, I'm Morientes. I've won the European Cup twice. Um, he had to show him his passport and the, the steward believed him. Which was like, oh, oh, wow, nice to meet you sort of thing. Let Morientes on the pitch, but fair play to Morientes. He made sure every single one of the squad got on the pitch as well to be with the team. So it was uh, that, that was nice to be there for the trophy lift and everything. Well, that's a nice that's a nice touch from him. <laughs> anyway, um, and, and, and then... I, the homecoming that was a bit of a letdown for I, I, I've never known about this you, you know you, you sometimes especially back then as we say you know the, the game has changed every minute detail is analysed now and you would hear about that as soon as it, it happened but I can't believe that the lads like yourself like Fernando Marientes whatever else weren't involved in the homecoming you're going to get me crying Stephen oh, don't, sorry don't I don't mean to Neil it was it was uh, a very upsetting experience because the first team who played the squad as I said they ended up flying back separately to Liverpool we arrived back at Liverpool airport everyone else about 30 minutes 40 minutes before the first team but the first team could get straight on the team bus back to Melwood we had to go through security and everything like that and then get the bus back to Melwood but there was delays at Liverpool airport obviously so many fans coming back into the airport and um uh, and we were wet. the first team were waiting, waiting with the bus saying we need to make sure all the squad are there. But I think under police advice, it was said that uh, the bus had to set off without us. So, so that's what they did. And obviously it was very upset. And we get back to Melwood, the bus has gone. Everyone's like, what are we going to do? And, and the, the shout was, that's it, lads, you can't get on it. The police won't let you go on. So I remember driving home, putting the telly on, watching it, watching Sky Sports, watching, crying my eyes out, thinking, you know, they're my mates, I want to be there celebrating. I had family, I had friends all on on the streets wait, wanting to uh, to wave and cheer us on. Yeah, so so that was, a, that was an upsetting time, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I can well imagine. I, I thought it actually was a club decision, but by the sounds of things, it was it wasn't so much the club deciding no, that people yeah, wouldn't be involved. Not, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. okay, it was just an unfortunate circumstance that that caused it. Yeah. yeah. Still, still, I can understand why it would be massively upsetting. It's, you know, you're still you're still a young lad at that stage. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. twelve years ago, and and you're thinking we've just won the biggest competition 
in the, in the game and I'm, and I'm not with the boys I think it was emotional as well with, with what we'd achieved as well because I'm, I'm watching thinking oh, what, what the fuck? that was incredible what we did so a bit of a mixture absolutely absolutely and then I suppose how, how long is it because is it the following season that you go to, to Wigan on loan yeah so that was what was that May uh, 2005 I, I go to Wigan in January 2006 in that transfer window then and debut score the winning goal so I'm thinking right I've been out what 11-12 months I'm back here um, and then I played five games in two weeks um, in the Premier League I played a cup tie a semi-final game against Arsenal which we won uh, for Wigan and three Premier League games so it was it was very intense uh, and I broke down with my knees I remember playing a game played against Bolton which was quite a big game for Wigan in the Premier League at the time in terms of location uh, uh, yeah uh, and before the game my knee had just swelled up and I said to the doctor I said look at my knee he said well you can't play you need to drain it so I drained it with 90 mil of fluid off my knee and it was like, I mean, who drains 90 mils of fluid? You, you, you know, you're out for you're out for a period of time with that. Anyway, he drains it and goes right. There you go. You'll be okay. And and again, it was I was struggling to run about. And by half time, the 90 mils was back on my knee. It was you could you could barely bend it. I'd say 45 degrees. The knee it was that bad. Right, Christ, okay. And is that? Do you come back to Liverpool at that point? Or? Yeah, and, and then I say, you know, what's going on with, with me? I need this to get sorted uh, with the medical staff. We had discussions, and um, and that was when I had more surgeries. And I think that took me to about four operations. Something it was both knees. It wasn't one knee as well. So um, it was it was in both knees, which is why it needed to be sorted. And, and so that that gets sorted over the next couple of months. And at this point, are you are you doubting your knees every time at this stage? Because the Preston move comes up the following summer. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, well, summer that summer I, I think at that point, my, my dream's over. All I've wanted to do is be a football player. I've had a little taste, some great moments, as we said, with Arsenal, Olympiacos. Um, but I want to be a football player. I, you know, I don't want to be injured. I don't want to be sat in the stands watching. I want to be out there on the pitch and, and scoring goals, what I love doing. So, so I thought, you know, am I going to get a career? Preston offered me a three-year contract, but I signed injured. <laughs> so they're signing a player, a young player from, from Liverpool. The expectation is, well, you know, he's going to be a young lad who's going to be scoring goals straight away. Don't play for seven months for them because because I had two more operations. It was um, it was a very frustrating and a, and a tough start to, uh, to my life now. Yeah, but to be fair to you, um, you know, you go to Preston and, and probably are never fully fit in the sense that you know you you've always probably got that niggle in your head are they going to go um, is this is that are the knees going to swell up but your your goals to game ratio is still really impressive it's by the time you leave there it's one one and three isn't it or, yeah, or no? I enjoyed it really enjoyed it Preston was a great club great club but I think once I did get myself fit to uh, to a decent enough level really enjoyed playing under a manager called Alan Irvine he was uh, he was absolutely brilliant <laughs> he, had, he had Everton links actually I think he came uh, from from Everton as was he not he was David Moyes assistant wasn't yeah, he yeah but he was great we used to wind each other up about Liverpool and Everton but he was he was he was brilliant as a coach as a manager really enjoyed my time working for him and Preston was a good club I was you know I was a big part of the team at the time um, I think it was top scorer pretty much every season I was there um, and even even now you know, I still look out for Preston and want to see them do well because we had good times we missed out I think it was in the playoff championship semi-final against Sheffield United um, just wasn't to be in the end but we were close we were close to getting promoted yeah and and I suppose, Neil, here's a question. Is it a case whereby for someone like yourself who has experienced it right at the very top, you know, when you think about it, played for a top Premier League club, came up through the through the ranks to, to, to break into the first team, experiences things like that game, that, that goal against Arsenal, like, uh, you know, the, the Champions League goal and stuff like that. Is that harder for somebody as a young player to then realise that maybe it's going to be tough to stay at that level because of a, a breakdown in your in your fitness is that tougher than somebody who gets through the academy and then doesn't make it you know what I mean they get maybe to first team but then it just dwindles away yeah. is, is is that really tough for you to, to, to look at 
I think the thing for me is that I knew I was good enough at uh, uh, Um I had the respect of of my fellow players, the likes of Stevie, Cara, Alonso. You know, I got on well with these players. They respected me because they knew the qualities that I had. Unfortunately, um, the, the injuries restricted um, me being able to show it fully. So um, there's, that's just the way it is. You know, you, it, I'm not sat here, you know, making excuses. It, it was what it was. You know, I, I loved football. All I ever wanted to be was a, a professional player. I got to fulfil that dream, and you know, I'd, I'd love to say I played four, five hundred games for Liverpool. I didn't, but I still I had moments, and even now, ten, twelve years on, fans come up to me and, and let me know. You know, for instance, perhaps the Olympiacos game or the Arsenal game, where they were at that time, if they're in a bar, if they're at Anfield, or or wherever, wherever. And it's great that there is a memory, you know, and and a positive one that even fans can can talk about now to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that is the difference between, say, yourself and somebody like, you know, Anthony Latalek, who, who you mentioned earlier on. You know, both came, were in the, you know, youth teams at the same time, both seen as great hopes. But the truth is, yours was never an ability um, question. I think everybody could see the ability that you had, and and you went on to prove that through through your goal scoring at, at for Liverpool and, and also at other clubs. Someone like Anthony Latalek just didn't fulfil his potential, you know, and and it must be a little bit easier for you to say well at least I didn't just piss it away to be honest you know I didn't just let it go it was it was down to a physical issue that 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 limited where I got to yeah no absolutely and and then you were you were you retire at age 29 mm. how does you know what what does somebody do when they retire at, at 29 you know is that tough on the family is that it's obviously tough on you but it, what, what happened yeah it was, it was unexpected I, i'd actually got to the point in my career where i was really um i was at the best i'd ever been at I mentioned about the injuries previously but i was managing my body really well i'd started to see a, a psychologist who'd been a player himself he'd been a manager himself and i was i was i was i was the best i'd ever been so to get injured and um and it was in a game against mk dons can't blame the pitch pitch was in great nick um it was just one of those unfortunate incidents where you know i turned funny and that's it my, my career was over um Like I say, it was unexpected, but I had to deal with it. I'm not somebody who who'll moan and go, oh, I can't do this. It's I have to accept it and move on to to what I can do. What I would say is my family were very supportive. My dad used to be a professional footballer. He was great. My mum and dad, my brother, sisters, but also my wife, um, two young kids. She was uh, she was a big help for me. No, and that's massive. As you say, your dad was a footballer. He understands what it's like to, you know, the game's changed from when he was playing, but he obviously understands what it's like to be a footballer and have to get, have to hang up the boots at some point. And one of the one of the biggest things I will say is that from a 16-year-old, I've uh, I've been full time as a football player. I've had structure in my life. I've been told where to be what to wear uh, and all I have to be, do is basically turn up that was the biggest thing that was the hardest thing to accept you're waking up and you're thinking there's no one telling me where to be what what, what to do and and so um, I had to create my own sort of structure oh, sure, surely the missus took over that role quick enough <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. Um, and then and then you know obviously you moved to punditry the first step is is yeah. doing some of the am I right in saying you were doing the, the games with Sky you know attending yeah. the different matches and, and giving commentary back to the Soccer Saturday lab and stuff like that yeah. Um, yeah. I, sorry go ahead I, I love it you know I'm still involved doing that it's um, I've always loved football and, and to be to be involved in it I do enjoy the media side of things um, reporting on it talking about football it's um, it is my passion and I'm lucky that Sky have given me that, that opportunity where I'm at various grounds in the country and talking about football And you're doing more for LFC TV now as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, obviously, uh, I had the experience of, of the academy, one of the first uh, players to come through at the academy, and it's it's a great environment, but the young, you, the young players have so many distractions. I see, I see it all the time. Uh, I'm seeing young players join the club at four, five, six, very, very young, and there's huge pressures on them. There's distractions of of you know what the the friends are getting up to at their age, agents trying to get into them all the time. And you know the biggest thing is, do you want to be a football player or not? You've got to be fully committed to being a, a professional footballer player. And Stevie Highway said to me, great advice. He said, if you want to succeed here at this football club, you've got to support this football club wholeheartedly, everything, because one day you will leave 
we're just preparing you for that day but enjoy the time you are here and I just hope that the young players with the environment they have at the academy with Alex Inglethorpe Stevie G going down there now that you know they're, um, they can really be fully committed and avoid those distractions which can which can harm their careers yeah absolutely and uh, for, for you then what's you know what's the next steps for, for Neil Mellor obviously as you say you're enjoying the media side of things you're still working with, with Sky and the club um, there's a lot of people have been critical of uh, Mark Lawrenson's um, commentary there in the last uh, in the last game so so maybe there's a bit more work for you on that side if you give it a push but uh, what, what's what's the next uh, what's the next step for you what do you hope to do well, who knows what's ahead around the corner? You, you know, things change very quickly. But I love being involved with football. Like I said, the Sky Sports, the reporting, uh, different games, interviewing the managers afterwards. You know, really enjoy that. I still get the buzz going to the games, covering the the young lads at Liverpool, the 18s, the 23s, the first team games that I've done. So I, I love the variety and the mix of the different media work that I'm involved with. Ultimately, I, I'd love to be presenting, you know, Liverpool v Man United on on Sky sport something like that that would be you know something long term I'd love to do but I understand that there's a lot of work to do in terms of learning different roles I'm not just thinking oh, I'm an ex-player can do this I understand that I have to learn the different aspects within it and, and I do you know the spare time in the summer I'll go into the studios I'll learn different roles what people are doing and, and seeing how um, how I can benefit in that way Oh, it's excellent, excellent. And you mentioned the 23s there. As someone who's seen quite a lot of them, and you can see, you know, you can see them getting their chances now in pre-season, which everybody loves to see. And 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 with Champions League, maybe we'll see a little bit more of them in the in the domestic cups this season. Um, who do you rate? You know, because obviously it seems from what Jurgen Klopp has said, and even looking at the game so far. Trent Alexander-Arnold does seem to be the standout of that group in terms of really taking his chance. He's been excellent in the in the preseason games so yeah. far. Who, who have you seen that you really have your eye on, or, or maybe one that maybe other people might not know as much of? Who, you know, who? Would... I think Trent's certainly the closest. You, you forget how young he is. You know, I'm talking about breaking into Liverpool's first team at 2021. 20, you know, Trent's Trent's much younger than that. Is what is he 18? He's still such a young boy, um, developing, learning all the time. Being in and around it with with Jurgen and, and the experienced international players there, Trent progressed enormously in 12 months. You know, from his first game for the 23s at Anfield against Man City, where he had a tough day. He had, he came up against a real fast winger, um, and he had a tough time. But he's developed so much and learned an awful lot that realistically he'll play a lot of games for Liverpool this season because of the way he has developed. I really like Ben Woodburn. He's a clever player. He has the intelligence. Is he a centre-forward? Is he a wise man? Is he a midfield player? Well, he's got the intelligence to play anywhere in attacking areas um, and he makes things happen. He's, he's somebody that you know I really enjoy watching. But again, it's when they get that opportunity, they are ready and they take it. Um, I, I felt for Ben last year, he chucked in at Stoke away, tough place to go to. But the one big moment in the game, he, you know, he wins a penalty. The referee doesn't give it, but he should have should have been given a penalty. Um, really like him. Um, thinking, you know, there's a group of, with the 18s with Stevie at the moment. They, they can come from nowhere. These young players. You're thinking, will they have a career? Trent, eight, 12 months before you're thinking you wouldn't have said he's definitely going to be in the first team next minute he's there and deservedly so you know Ajari was the same last pre-season you know 12 months early he was you know he was anonymous in a youth cup game against Arsenal and you're thinking 12 months on he's now playing in the first team at Derby and, and getting a few minutes which is uh, the development the progression that they've made in such a, a short period of time yeah, no, it's, and it's it's brilliant to see, and and from what you've said earlier on, it really does seem like that gap has been closed between the academy and the first team. You know, it's it's the relationships like... better, which helps the young players, and the fact that the first team are going to go down to the academy now is massive for those young players because they'll be on the same side as the first team. They can impress the manager will be there. They can watch the first team, and it can only benefit everyone, uh, certainly the younger players at the academy. Oh, yeah, and as you say, I know Jurgen puts the time in and he's very close to the academy staff there but it is in a sense sometimes out of sight out of mind you know if, yeah, if, yeah, if they're in separate sites there's going to be that it's difficult 
Absolutely. And with them now on the same site, it really will and should make a difference. So, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Neil, I, I, as I always say, I don't, I don't want to take too much of your time. We always really appreciate the fact of people giving up their time for us. And in this case, it's been absolutely brilliant having a chat with you and, and reminiscing through through some of the stuff. I hope I wasn't too dour in, in uh, <laughs> some of the stuff I covered. But, you know, it is it's stuff that, that has happened and you want to you want to be true to to all the areas of it. You know, the good the good times and, and, and the bad ones. Uh, yeah, well, areas, that's football. You know? Good times, bad times, ups and downs. That's the uh, the way it is. But it, no, it was nice to nice to speak to you and to be asked on to uh, to tell my story. No, I've said. And listen, we we hope that uh, that you'll be coming and doing a little bit more with us throughout the season. Um, you know, in 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 more of the general podcast sense as well. So we really look forward to that. If uh, if you're up for it, absolutely, give me a shout. I cover all the Liverpool games with the analysis show on LFC TV. Go through all the games, and I uh, I enjoy that side of things as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll we'll make sure we do that. We'll we'll keep in touch with you. We'll be chatting throughout the season, and maybe you can give us uh, you can give the day tripper steer on uh, on who's who's doing the business for the twenty threes from from your side. Sounds good to me. Brilliant, Neil. Listen, thank you very much, and I will talk Take to you soon. Take me away from the city and lead me to where I can be on my own. I wanted to see you, and now that I have. I just want to be left alone I'll always remember your kind words And I'll still remember your name But I've seen you changing and turning And I know that things just won't be the same Summer in Dublin And the Liffey's It stank like hell And the young people Walking on Grafton Street And everyone Looking so well I was Singing a song I'd heard Somewhere Called Rock and Roll Never Forgets when my humming was smothered by a 46A And the scream of a low flying jet So I jumped on a bus to Dunleary Stopping off to pick up my guitar And a drunk on the bus told me how to get rich I was glad we weren't going too far
If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Except no substitutes. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.